Hi there, I greet the churches that are listening to this video recording for their services. Um, you've invited me to, to journey with you over the past few weeks and I greet you in the name of Jesus. It's really good to be again together with you. Today is Ascension Day when Jesus, we commemorate Christ's Ascension into the heavens. So I've been doing a bit of a journey from Passover crucifixion through to the big bang of the new creation, the resurrection according to John's gospel, and then post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And last week I ended up with the story of Peter, Jesus's very tender, compassionate restoration of Peter in terms of his calling and the calling of the disciples and Peter's leadership. And so this morning we come to the end of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and I want to speak on his ascension which essentially is his coronation as king of kings and lord of lords. So I'm speaking on the ascension of Christ and then of course as a build-up to Pentecost which is the 31st of May. Pentecost Sunday, the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what essentially um, this entails for these two talks is the succession story of Jesus and his church, the coronation of the king, which is ascension, the preparation for Pentecost and then Pentecost itself, the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So let me read the text to you. If you would like to read with me and you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 1. I'll read the text and then, of course, share some thoughts. But once again, just to say, we invite the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds, to soften our hearts as fertile soil to receive the seed of the Word of God. Lord, let your word come to us. Let your truth set us free. Let the seeds of your kingdom be planted this morning within us and may it grow and bear much fruit. We say, come, Lord Jesus. We say, come, Holy Spirit, and just minister to us in this moment together. For all those who are listening, wherever they are, literally, around the earth, in the name of Jesus. Bless us, Lord, as we share together. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, his biography of Jesus, and then he wrote the book of Acts, which is basically his account of the acts of the Holy Spirit in and through the church. And they were, they were one book in two parts, actually. So here Luke picks it up in Luke chapter 1. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, that's his, his book of Luke, Gospel of Luke. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, which we commemorate today. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering and his death, he showed himself to these men and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. 
He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So we've been doing that, talking about the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and the way he ministered to them, revealed himself to them and instructed them. He appeared to them for over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so that's exactly 10 days from now. Um, from Ascension, 40 days, to Pentecost, Pente is 50, Pen, the 50th day after Passover, so a 10-day interval. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So even then, despite three and a half years journeying with him, with Jesus, listening to his teachings and the teachings um, in his post-resurrection appearances, they still misunderstood him and thought in terms of a physical, literal kingdom with a political, military messiah setting up his kingdom in Jerusalem. Is it right now you're going to do this? <laughs> and Jesus said, no, no, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set in his own authority. But you, what you need to know is not to work out and calculate the end the last day and the hour that it's all going to happen. But what you need to know is you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you at Pentecost. And you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid, them from, hid him from their sight. And they were looking up intently into the sky. As he was going up, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And then it says that they returned to Jerusalem after this ascension of Christ to um, to uh, the upper room where they were and they were all gathered together and then it speaks of their preparation where they in verse 14 they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the woman and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers and for nine days they prayed and prayed and waited for the coming of the promise of the father so I want to talk about three things this morning and then next week, the last important one. So I want to talk about succession, coronation and preparation. So the way Luke tells his story of the gospel, his story of Jesus and here of Acts is actually a succession story. And the coming of the Holy Spirit is in the context of a succession story. So in Hebrew literature, the Old Testament, as we call it, uh, from, from Moses to Joshua, Elijah to Elisha, there are a number of succession stories. And the way Luke writes his gospel, actually, is he puts it quite clearly 
in uh, the, the succession story of Elijah and Elisha. And Luke's gospel of, of the life of Christ actually echoes and connotes that Jesus is the greatest prophet of Israel who wraps up everything and he is the Elijah who has returned. Jesus is the embodiment of the law. He's, he's the new Moses leading a new exodus as the Messiah, but he's also the final prophet in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And in fact, Luke says in Luke 4, when Jesus began his ministry and preached this first sermon in Nazareth, Jesus actually reads Isaiah 61 and quotes it as his mandate for ministry. And then immediately Jesus says, he talks about Elijah and Elijah's ministry that was rejected by Israel and basically is saying, I am the Elijah who has come and will do great signs and wonders, but you will reject me um, as a nation. And then Luke ends up the story with uh, Jesus's um, um, ascension, where Jesus appears to his disciples for the last time in Luke 24 and says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And this idea of clothing. Remember when Elijah was taken up into heaven in a chariot. Elisha was with him all along, wanting a double portion of Elisha's spirit. And as Elisha went up, his mantle fell down. And Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle. And basically, the mantle of the prophet was the clothing of God's anointed power to do signs and wonders and miracles and to proclaim the word of the Lord to Israel. And here um, uh, Luke is clearly again speaking of Jesus as the Elijah, his first followers, the church. In fact, throughout history, uh, the school of prophets who learn from Jesus and receive his anointing, even a double portion of his anointing. As John says in John chapter 14, verse 10, Jesus said, if you believe in me, the works, the miracles that I've been doing, you'll do also, and even greater miracles than these, because I'm going to my Father in heaven. And, and what he meant by that is, as he ascends, he pours out the power of the Holy Spirit, his mantle, and we clothed with his spirit, double portion, to do, to continue doing what he did in the power of the Spirit. And then Luke, the Gospel of Luke, ends up saying that when he had said this, he led them out to the city, um, to the vicinity of Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven, just like Elijah um, was taken up into heaven in, as, and he blessed Elisha. And then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. So just to say that the story is a succession story where Luke very deliberately presents Jesus as the, God's Elijah and the church as the Elisha. And that his ascension into heaven is the beginnings of this outpouring of anointing to do the ministry of the kingdom and to take it to the ends of the earth. And what's amazing in uh, Acts chapter 1, quite humorous, is there they are looking at Jesus and he was taken up in a cloud into heaven while he was blessing them. And they're all looking up and the angels stand there and they, 
and they basically poke them in the ribs and say, hey, why are you looking up to the sky? Go back to Jerusalem. And in effect, they're saying, look to Jerusalem where you'll receive power from on high. Then to Judea where you will explode outwards with that power to preach the gospel and do the signs and wonders of the kingdom. And then to Samaria across the next barrier into the mixed race people. Then to the ends of the earth, to all the goyim. So in other words, look to Jerusalem, look to your Judea, look to your Samaria, look to all the nations of the earth, because that is your calling and destiny, is to take the gospel of the kingdom and be a witness to Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit. So we'll talk about that power next Sunday. But the next one, succession, Elijah, Elisha, Jesus and the church. Then is coronation. His ascension into heaven was understood and interpreted by the first followers of Jesus as his coronation as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, whereby he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And Luke's first reference to this as to how they interpreted the meaning of the ascension is the is Peter's sermon at Pentecost. So Peter had been remarkably transformed from a broken, unsure man um, where Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And here is my sheep. Here are my lambs. Look after my church. And Peter stands up at Pentecost, just like 10, 15 days later after these, that incident, with that encounter with Jesus. And he boldly proclaims the gospel. And basically at Pentecost, when people are all listening, he says, you guys, God sent Jesus as a prophet among us, doing great signs and wonders, who is mighty in speech and mighty in works and deeds. But you as a nation rejected him and you crucified him. But God vindicated him through resurrection to show that all that he said and did and the meaning of his death was true, that he was in fact uh, the, the Messiah. And then furthermore, God exalted him. So let me just read the actual words of Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 32. So God raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of the fact because of the proofs of the resurrection. And God exalted him to the right hand of God. And he has received the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, and has poured it out upon us. Because David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel now be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And those last words are very important. The, the ascension of Christ into the heavens was his exaltation to the right hand of God the Father, actually his coronation as king over all powers in heaven and on earth. And Peter says he was, he's now declared both Lord and Christ. And the word Lord is the Greek word kyrios, which the Caesars took to themselves as their title, which was, they call themselves the Lord of all the earth. And in emperor worship, the Caesars, were believed to be divine manifestations of the gods, and they were Kyrios, 
Lord of Lords. But Peter's saying Jesus is the true emperor now. He is in the heavens at the right hand of the Father over all principalities and powers, over all authorities, over all rulers, over every name that can be named, every title that can be given. He is the Lord of Lords. And the word Christos, Christ, is, is the King, the Messiah. You know, when I was young and became a follower of Jesus at the age of 13, and I read the Bible and heard sermons, I thought Jesus Christ was Jesus' name, his first name and his surname, until I understood that Jesus was his actual name, Yeshua, which means in Hebrew, Yahweh saves. And Christ was Christus, which actually is a title, King. So God has made Jesus both Kyrios, Lord, Emperor, and King, Jesus. So the quote that uh, Peter gives from Psalm 110 is also very interesting. And let me just go back to that. Um, David says this in Psalm 110. He says the Lord, and he uses the proper name, God's name Yahweh, the Lord said unto my Lord, and the word there is Adonai, which is the son of David. The prophecies were that the son of David would be the true Messiah, the true king who would truly deliver Israel. So Yahweh said to my, my son, my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And that verse was prophetic of the ascension of Christ. And you know, in the New Testament, the New Testament writers quote that verse 15 times. It was a favorite of the early church. And it goes on to say, The Lord Yahweh will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, and you will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on the day of battle. We are his troops. We are the Elisha of the Elijah. We are arrayed in holy majesty. It says, the Lord is sworn and will not change his mind that you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so the writer to the Hebrews picks up that, that the ascension of Christ is also his high priesthood where he entered the heavens, offering, offering up the sacrifice of blood, cleansed the heavens so that human beings can enter into the most intimate, immediate presence of God, the throne room, the holy of holies. I don't know if you are aware of it, but to me, this is an amazing mystery. God, the, the eternal pre-incarnate Son of God, God became human in Jesus of Nazareth, born of Mary. God became a human being, took on human flesh. And through his death and resurrection and his exaltation into heaven, there is a human body, albeit resurrected and glorified, in the Trinity, and in some mystical sense now, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is forever changed because there's a human body in the Trinity. And it opens the way for all of us human beings to literally enter the Trinity, to enter the Holy of Holies and the dance of the Trinitarian life and love, the most intimate and profound experience of God's kind of life, which is eternal life. And so he is the high priest opening the way for all of us. He is the king who rules and reigns.
over all powers right now. And we, Paul's theology, his interpretation of the ascension of Christ is that we who believe and are born again, who go through his death and die to our sin, where our sins are forgiven and are buried in the waters of baptism and rise with eternal life, are caught up by the Holy Spirit into, we ascend with Christ and are seated in heavenly places right now on his throne with him at the right hand of the Father to rule and reign from the heavens here on earth and to enforce the defeat Satan has already suffered at the hands of King Jesus. This king was a suffering king who took into into himself all of the violence and the sin and the sickness and the pain and demons of humanity and thus defeated the powers of darkness and was vindicated by resurrection, ascended into heaven, has received the kingship, the kingdom, the authority and the power. And on our behalf, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we now live out the kingship of Jesus on earth that has been exercised from heaven. So one other image that is used of the ascension of Christ and his coronation that goes back to the book of Daniel chapter 7, another favorite text of the early church, the first followers of Jesus, is of the Son of Man, where Daniel has the vision of these four kingdoms, these four beasts, and the last one is the most vicious, the Roman Empire, literally, that was the meaning of that last beast. And it says that when the Ancient of Days took his seat and the books were opened, the, the courts of heaven were there, and he sat on the throne, there appeared one like the Son of Man that came up out of suffering under the fourth beast, the Roman Empire. And this Son of Man, Ben Adam in Hebrew, basically means a human being. But he's a mysterious human heavenly figure. And he comes up on a cloud, it says in Daniel 7, enters into the throne room of the Ancient of Days. And the Ancient of Days passes judgment and said, Now you receive the kingdom, the power, the authority, the glory, the majesty, the rule. And basically hands God's kingdom over to that son of man who exercises authority on behalf of the saints. Because later on in verse 25 of Daniel 7, it says that actually that son of man embodies the new humanity. The true renewed people of God, both Jews and Gentiles, those who are born again by the resurrection, who actually receive the kingdom with Jesus. And that's why Matthew, when he talks about the ascension of Christ, he quotes Daniel chapter 7. The last words that Matthew puts in Jesus' mouth before he ascends into heaven, Matthew 28. It says that from verse 16, Jesus appeared to his disciples the last time on the mountain. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then he lifted his hands and he said, All authority in the heavens and in the earth has been given to me. And therefore now you go in that authority and make disciplined learners of me, apprentices of me, followers of me, of people of all nations. This is the Son of Man who has received now all authority and gives it to his followers who exercise it here on earth from the head in heaven. So I've spoken about succession, 
the picture of Elijah and we the Elisha. And I'll talk about the coming of the mantle next Sunday at Pentecost. I've spoken about ascension and coronation. And let me close off briefly with preparation. So when Jesus ascended, according to Luke, they went back to Jerusalem in obedience to Jesus. And when they went there, they went into this upper room and they actually started to pray. And they prayed nine days. So the Catholics call this a novena. And here I just want to get a little bit personal and make practical application to what I've been saying. For nine days from the Ascension to the day before Pentecost, they waited and prayed and called out upon the Lord for the promise of the Father, the coming of the Holy Spirit with power. And in the tradition of the ancient Near East, whenever kings were, became kings in their coronation, they gave gifts to their citizens. Whenever kings won a great battle and returned um, back to their city, they brought along with them all the captives from the battle and all the spoils of the people that they had defeated. And they gave that all the spoils and the gifts to their citizens. And this is the picture of Jesus coming from great battle through his death and resurrection, his ascension into heaven. And now as he ascends, he's giving out gifts, the power of the Holy Spirit, apostles, apostolic gifts, prophetic gifts, evangelistic gifts, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's just distributing great power and anointing for us to advance the kingship of Jesus, the kingdom of our king to the ends of the earth. But we'll pick that up. I'm, I'm getting excited. We'll pick it up next uh, week. Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and wait and pray. Dear friends, let's do a novena. Let's, let's pray and fast for the coming of the Holy Spirit in power. And it's interesting when you read Acts chapter 1, Luke goes refers to two specific things. In verse 14, they prayed intensely together in unity and waiting for the promise of the Father. And in their praying, they also sorted out their leadership because Peter stood up and said, look, we need to choose another one because Judas betrayed Jesus, committed suicide. And so they put Matthias in as the 12th apostle. What's interesting to me is when we pray together, God sorts out our hearts. He sorts out structure. He sorts out leadership and he gets things in place so that when the spirit comes with power, there is unity of purpose, unity of heart, unity of relationships where everyone is in their right place. And we can function in the power and the anointing of the spirit to do what God has called us to do. Carol Wimber, who was uh, the, uh, the wife of John Wimber, the founder leader of the Vineyard Movement, I'm sure many of you are aware of that, last year uh, was interviewed together with her sister Penny Fulton and Bob Fulton, who were obviously the founder leaders of the Vineyard together with John. They interviewed Carol, and it's a wonderful video on YouTube. You should look it up. It's called Legacy. It's really in inspiring to hear the early stories of what happened when the vineyard started. But she ends up with that interview with the most remarkable thing 
where she actually says she has a real growing sense from God that something big is coming. Something big is coming down. And she actually is saying it is a real move of God, a real revival coming. And then the interviewer, John Wright, who leads the vineyards in England, said, well, what else do you want to say about that? She said, the only thing she felt the Lord say is get in your place, get in the right place. And she encouraged everyone to get in their right place, to be in preparation for the coming of what God is going to do worldwide, worldwide. So many people have been prophesying, prophecies have been coming through. The impressions of the Holy Spirit are that, that there, there is something big coming. God is going to pour out his spirit. So, so we are, I think we must join the global prayer movement. I encourage you, join the international church. There's a particular movement called the global prayer movement that are calling upon people to pray for these 10 days, building up to Pentecost for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we have a young guy in Freedom House Church who had a real visitation from the Lord on the 11th of, of May, um, last week, Monday. And, he, and God really ministered to him. And he has said to us that re revival is coming. And it confirms many other prophetic words. So, dear friends, in closing, succession, Jesus, Elijah, we, the Elisha, who receive a double portion of the power of the Spirit. Ascension and coronation, where he is now king. And because he ascended, we too ascend. And we rule and reign with him from the heavenlies. Preparation is to pray and pray and wait for the power that comes from on high, the mantle that falls from the heavenly Elijah. And then we receive and yeah, to get into place, to be ready and to be in our right place in terms of our calling, that we can be ready to be used by God in the power of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you. I trust this ministers to you. The Lord be with you in the name of Jesus. Amen.